So you got a delivery of, you said, 60 sheets of plywood that you don't need? Is that what you said? <laughs> I got, we ordered um, about $5,000 worth of plywood in all different thicknesses because those those bullet trailers that I made a few months ago, I guess about a month ago, each one of them takes approximately 15 sheets of plywood and various... Eat, wait. Wait, each one takes 15 sheets of plywood? Yeah. Hmm. It's, That's, it's wow. about 12 or 15. I forget the exact number. I have it all written down. But in various various amounts of... There's tons of wood left over. But if I'm looking at like broad pieces that right. fit, you know, because the trailers are, are over four feet in every direction. So that means I have to use like a full piece to get like, you know, a four by five foot piece. And then I got to scab it in with another... So it's it's a complicated mess which I've sorted out, and I had uh, had it scheduled to make eight more, and so we got deliveries. I just got I got fenders from a trailer company. They just came yesterday. That's probably five hundred dollars worth of trailer fenders, and uh, then I got the call that says the job is on hold. And so <laughs> I got I got sheets of walnut plywood. I have sheets of of oak plywood, regular plywood. But so now I got to figure out. Like I think I'm just going to make ten thousand keychains out of wood. That's the one. <laughs> Everything on my website, I was just going to be ten thousand different types of keychains. No, it, it, the job has been put on hold. It's not completely over. And the, and then my my client said, I don't work directly for Bullet. I work. People are always curious, and I guess I can clear this up right now. I work for a great crew of guys. And if I even want to go back further, I know we're just starting the show. I can talk about this later. But everybody always wants to know how I got in touch with Bullet. How did I get a Bullet as a client? And it's really interesting. You know, I always tell everybody when I give them advice, just go forward and just don't overthink anything. You never know where the next client's going to come from. I got I got my hammered TV show because my good friend, Ramey, cut the hair of an executive that was getting married because she's a, a stylist. She was working on one of the executives uh, wedding party. She was a stylist and she's like, Oh, you work at HGTV. My friend, Jimmy just had a TV show on FX network. She's like, Oh really? Oh yeah. He makes videos. Oh, have him send me something. And that's how I got hammered. So the point I'm making is, is you never know where it's going to come from. I was working at make magazine. Everybody knows that for many, many years, made over hundred videos at make magazine. And the guys on the bullet team that hire me all the time were looking for somebody to make things on stage. And they just Googled make. Make magazine was the top hit. They wrote to make magazine editors. Hey, do you know anybody that could make something in front of a live audience? They said, oh, I think Jimmy can do that. So they sent the the link to me. This is in 2013. So they sent the link to me and a couple of other people. And then I ended up working with those guys at that event and ever since. And that's how I got bullet bourbon through make magazine, which is so weird. I think everyone's like, what? Anyway, so the the team there is they're called Proof Media, and they are a subcontractor that does events. And they host events, and they they basically, they're like producers. It's a team of producers, but mostly for live events and in-store displays. So when they're going to do a program of these trailers, these guys figure out all the logistics, and they hire them to do that. They've worked for a couple different companies uh, outside of the liquor business. I've done some other stuff for them that... but. They handled Dickel, George Dickel whiskey, which is what I was working on initially. And then that moved over to Bullet Bourbon because that's just another part of their client lineup. And 
we worked on a couple things. Tangeray, I've worked on uh, Crown Royal. And anyway, the head honchos, the upper management said they want to put the trailer program on hold for a minute because they want to just figure out some legalities for different markets. And so it may kick back up. I'm being optimistic. And so are they, my guys in between. And they said, uh, we'll just take a week and figure this out. If not, you know, let's just say it doesn't happen. We just bought you $5,000 worth of plywood and eight sets of trailer fenders. So <laughs> I'm going to put my name in each one of the trailer fenders and put them on eBay as keychains. So <laughs> <laughs> They could be like keychains for gas station bathrooms. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but uh, so, yeah, that, that's that's what was going on with me. Then yesterday mm-hmm. was half of the plywood delivery that I posted on Instagram that you guys saw on my new forklift. How you liking your new <laughs> forklift? It's great. Me and Aaron try and figure out any reason to, to drive the forklift. Like, oh, oh, you got to move that sandbag? Hold on. Everyone move everything. Let's get everything out of its way. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it's it's been it's it's amazing. It's definitely life changing. Now I realize I we we ended up Aaron and the guys redid the the shop floor, and now it's kind of like a game of Tetris. So like all the machines are are on pallets, so they're all just kind of stacked in like like a Tetris lineup at the back of the shop. So we could just kind of drive in either with that or with the pallet jack, which is kind of more more accessible. Come in, pick something up, bring it to the front of the shop. We could use it, fork it, and just put it right in the back of the shop again, like in a Tetris lineup. So it's actually mm. the shop is really getting in shape. It's really starting to turn into like a warehouse that's like usable. So and then, and I think that's because the forklift showed up, and all of a sudden we realized we have all these things we can move around. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's my uh, my life in a nutshell. Is that like making everything into keychains? <laughs> everything is an opportunity to turn something that's into a, a keychain. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I like the attitude. Uh, cat food cans. I'm going to laser cut my name in them, put a ring on them. <laughs> Got a lot of cat food cans. <laughs> well, that's awesome. David, what have you been up to? Um, I'm, I, I haven't been happy with my, my motivation and my productivity. It's just, every, it's just weird. Everything is still weird. And, you know, Dan still comes over every Tuesday, but every Monday night, I'm like, maybe Dan will cancel. Maybe Dan will cancel. And uh, I don't mm. know. My 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 mood isn't always there, but we're we're still we're still plowing through. And then once we get started, I'm like, this is exactly what I want to be doing right now. But um, we we started making a chair yesterday, which turned out to be better than expected. I think we're going to talk about chairs later, so I won't go into detail just yet. But um, it was supposed to be like a prototype iteration number one, and it it just it just worked. And so hmm. I think um, it could be done the way it is right now. But I'm gonna sit on it for a week, and we might do like embellishments <laughs> or. Sit on. Uh, uh, yeah, sit on. yeah. I wish that was on purpose. Yeah. I really wish that was on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> um and we might veneer it or do something crazy fun to it next week i don't know it or it could be done i'm in that weird stage of this is perfectly fine the way it is do i enhance it and take a chance of ruining it or or do i leave it the way it is so um that's kind of the mental struggle that i have with with that particular project right now but yeah 
That's cool. We um, so I have an idea that you could you could take it to the level that everybody else takes everything is you um make the chair like you have now and then you take one side off of it and you make a form out of that side and then you pour an epoxy side panel uh, yeah. around the dowels then you flip it over and you do the same thing on the other side so you have epoxy side panel <laughs> river chair there you go you make a river chair <laughs> we were actually um it's like, actually good it's a good it's a good methodology okay we were brainstorming ways to it's it, it it's so it's made out of dowels. It's mostly dowels with two walnut or two um, plywood side panels, and there's enough dowels in there where it's it's comfortable and it has a it has a curve to it. But we were trying to think of like if we wanted to cushion this, how could we do this? Could we weave something in between the dowels? Could we wrap pool noodles around each dowel and then put cloth around that? And then like, is there any kind of like expanding foam where it just kind of wraps around the dowels that then pulls away and then we can add add some sort of material to that so we were trying to brainstorm different ways to to make some sort of cool cushion and i think i'm just going to leave it as as dowels but it's it's one of those projects that really could go anywhere you could take it anywhere the dowel is a, is the feature, you know. You, you it is the feature, things, yeah. Obviously, you could stick things on the dowels before you put the other side on, which is also kind of cool too. You could put a bunch of beads on it. So in New York City, we have all the taxi cab drivers sit on these like bead things. You mm-hmm. put like an abacus, call it the abacus chair. Mm-hmm. You, could, you could do your math. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was thinking like rings, uh, but yeah, a bead would be basically the same thing and a little more volumetric. But yeah, having some sort of rings across it that would kind of roll as you went forward and backward on it. Every time I mean, you sit down, you just kind of slid off. You just roll off of it. <laughs> you could um, you could take the, the insulation that goes around a pipe, that kind of foam. It's like, you know, not terrible looking on the outside, just black. You could yeah. cover certain parts of it with that. And, but yeah, I, I agree. The dowel is kind of the feature. That's like the look. So. You just gave me. You just gave me the vision, which you just. You just. It would be hilarious if you had uh, those things that you see at the supermarket where they throw the box from the truck to the delivery gate. Those, oh, the rollers. The roller. So if you made the, that, all those with rollers. So you go to sit in it, you just go. Boom, you just slip out of it like soup. <laughs> you just can't sit in the chair. Yeah, that would be great actually, because it could go like this right now, and I could just kind of roll, like roll down and then roll back up. It would probably be like an exercise. <laughs> Hmm. And then so before- you have two of those chairs facing each other, and so you roll out of one into oh, the yeah. other upside down and just back and forth. So, <laughs> man, the ideas that we come up with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you guys are hired. A big, if it was a big, giant circle, oh, this is it. Listen, now see, this is why ideas are fun to just keep. If you had a big hoop, let's say you had two big hoops, and connecting those hoops are those rollers that you would see at the supermarket delivery tr- ramp. And you could lay in the middle of the the circle at the bottom. You know, you lay at that arc, which is whatever the height of a human is, six feet. And the the thing might be a 12-foot diameter circle. You lay at the bottom, but then you flip it on, and it rolls underneath you. You'll kind of come up, like, your body weight will, like, kind of bring you to, like, a certain point, up or down. And then the thing will just roll underneath you, massaging your whole back the entire time. So it's like a monowheel couch. It's like you're inside... On a couch inside a monowheel, and the whole thing—I ro- love it. It would just rotate underneath you, and you just got to make sure you put your hair in a bun because it'll get caught up in there. But then, I don't have any hair. 
Yeah, name it. Sure. New, day, new day, don't have any hair. Don't have to worry about it. Bob, you'd have to put your beard in a rubber band and then just flip it on. That would be, that's something for extreme. Make it extreme. He would do that. Yeah, he would do that. The massage chair, the massage hoop, hamster wheelchair. The one thing I absolutely miss from working at the ad agency is the brainstorming sessions. When you get like five or six people in a room and a big whiteboard and that first idea just kicks off a bunch of other ideas, even if they're silly, they can still lead to or trigger something to help figure out that what the final product is going to be. I miss oh, brainstorming yeah. sessions so much. I. I used to do that. My favorite part of brainstorming sessions was the one person that would always be butthurt because their dumb idea wouldn't be acknowledged and they would just be sitting there with their yellow pad the whole time pouting. (laughs) (laughs) We do a a lot of those brainstorming sessions when the guys are here. Um, And it's really cool because we have like the entire wall back there is a whiteboard. And so, you know, we'll sit in here and the three of us and it just turns into the, basically what just happened where it's like, oh, here's a little idea. And we're like, oh, you could take it up a little bit more. Oh, you could be a little more silly about it. And it just keeps escalating until it goes way past reality and then finds its way back to something. Yeah. It's really cool. That's it's great. Yeah. Hmm. Um, well, so you, we'll talk more about chairs in just a little bit. But um, anything else that you've been up to? Any karting stuff? Have you been racing any? Any? Uh, um, racing a little bit. Um, kind of. Uh, I, I did make a cart lift out of a Harbor Freight. Um, f- uh, what, what, I forget what they call them. Like the the tables that lift with a foot. And I oh, bought one lift and it, table. Yeah, I, that table is so cool. It's one. It's it's one of my favorite things from Harbor Freight. So we we picked one up. I already had one. And I thought, you know what? I this would be a great video, just me modifying this. And so I bought a second one, and that first one's going to go to a friend. Um, but nice. we we chopped it up and made it into a go kart lift, and I don't know. It, it was just a one of the best things I could have done for myself was just pick up welding and and metalworking because it allows me to do so much more. And it's still one of Doesn't those it things. Feel that, like like you want to use it for everything. It does. It's it's because it's it's magic. You're taking something that's heavy and and hard and cold, and you can turn it into something else. And it just it feels like I'm a wizard when I when I weld two <laughs> pieces so of metal together. It's true. Um, and so that video is doing well. I didn't. I mean, the, half the first half of the video is just me talking about Harbor Freight tools and the success that I had with them. And then this is my new favorite tool. And then the second half of the video is turn it into a a, a go-kart lift and the video is titled my favorite harbor freight tool because if i titled it how to make a go-kart lift nobody would watch it and um yeah and i'm not i'm not tricking anybody but um yeah the video is doing pretty good i think um i've got two maybe three harbor freight videos and they all do well because people either love harbor freight or they hate harbor freight well i mean yeah say what you will about them it's an accessible way for people to even imagine using a tool that they wouldn't necessarily be able to justify otherwise. I just looked at, but while you're mentioning this, I looked on the Harbor Freight site at the cost of that table, because I was curious. I had never seen one before. $279 for a hydraulic table that can hold, and there's two different versions, but 279 can hold 1,000 pounds. Mm-hmm. And it's 34 and a half inches, which is the same height as my table saw top, I think. So you could immediately pull it up to have in feed, out feed, wherever you need. Like, mm-hmm. that's awesome. 
I use the smaller version, mm-hmm. the one that's $179, and I think it's $179, something like that. But it's a fantastic tool. Yeah, and it still holds 500 pounds, which, I mean, like, I don't know what, I wouldn't put 1,000 pounds on the table, but, like, I don't know. I think people, uh, you know, some people will just write everything off there as as terrible quality, and we've talked about this before at length, but depending on what you need out of the tool, it can be a really fantastic way to get into uh, having access to something that otherwise, like, you wouldn't go buy a hydraulic table from some major brand unless you just had the money to spend, right? Because it'd probably mm-hmm. be three or four times as expensive. I was actually looking the other day on Harbor Freight for something. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was now. Um, oh, oh, a winch for uh, my Land Cruiser. So winches for the front of vehicles are always kind of one of those things that uh, like when you talk about like off-roading and everything, people will, you know, I only want to trust my my setup or my safety or my re- recoverability to the best, which I totally get because oftentimes you're in kind of a dangerous situation if you need a winch to be able to pull your vehicle out. And I've always looked at the wenches from Harbor Freight. They have a Badlands brand. I've looked at them and like, it just seems so cheap, inexpensive, not cheap. It seems so inexpensive compared to all the other brands like Warren and all these these companies that specifically do, you know, like off-road stuff. So I'm in this Overland group on Facebook. And the other day, somebody posted a picture of one of the Badlands uh, winches and said, give me some feedback. This is all I can afford for my rig. Give me some feedback. Good luck if you want to die. Right? (laughs) No. So that's what I was expecting everybody to be like, oh, don't waste your money. It's a piece of junk. It's like, you know, oh, if you can't do better, that type of thing. Every single comment, and there were a bunch of them. I've had that one. It's totally worthwhile. I used mine underwater. Still works great. I did this, and -and so-and-so had this one, and I liked his better. And it was, like, all positive. Now, obviously, that's not going to be the case for everything. But it it was a list of people who had specifically used it in situations where, you know, what it was made for, and they, it's not something they use every day, you know, but it did the job when they needed it to, and the fact that it could work underwater and continue to work after that, I thought that was kind of cool. And so it gave me a lot of confidence because there was a group of people who had used the thing specifically, no matter where it came from, no matter what brand it was, and it was personal experience, right? And so I immediately, in my mind, and I actually left a comment there like, thank you for this, because otherwise I never would have considered it quality enough to, you know, to like lean on, to to kind of put my safety <laughs> in hmm. it. Um, but with personal experience like that, whenever I do finally get around to buying a winch for my vehicle, that's the one I'm going to buy. I'm not going to spend more money on something if I have a bunch of people, you know, personal experience. My point in saying all that is that, just like you, David, now you have a personal experience with a tool that you've modified to make it exactly what you need. It's relatively inexpensive. And that says a lot to people who maybe don't trust a brand or don't trust a, a price level or something. So that's why those videos do well, I think, hmm. because people are looking for validation on, like, I really want this thing because I can afford it, but I'm not sure if it's quality enough. So when they see somebody like you... Like, mm-hmm. yes, it does exactly what I need it to do. Then they get a lot of confidence. So Harper Freight should sponsor you. <laughs> That's, what That's where I was getting to. I agree. What's funny is I write to Harbor Freight like once every couple of months on Instagram and say, hey, you guys looking for a channel sponsor? 
any interest? Any, they never write back ever. Cause I've been looking for like a series I want to do. I want to change all like the ragtag cabinets that are in my various shops. I want them to all be the same cabinet so I can line them up side by side and have like mechanics tools, woodworking tools, etc. And I keep writing to them because they do make a really nice line of affordable cabinets for, for a shop. And I might, I might actually consider dropping a couple thousand dollars and just getting like six cabinets. Of course I would pry their name off and put my name on it. Unless of course sponsor me. I don't know if anybody's listening. <laughs> they are their cabinet stuff is nice and it's not cheap yeah i mean I, when we were building the uh table for our podcast studio the original idea was to go get one of their orange like cabinets and then just put a butcher block top on it and i was like you know it's harbor freight so like i don't know 200 bucks or something like i'll just go pick one up at lunch one day i go over there and it was like it was like eight or nine hundred dollars for this cabinet i'm like mm. whoa i think i'll just make something <laughs> <laughs> Because I didn't need it for like I didn't need tool storage there. I just needed a nice looking you know, thing to put a tabletop on, so it didn't make sense for that. But they are pretty nice quality. But you know the price is not super cheap. I, please let me know if you do this as well. But when you go to Harbor Freight, do go over to the Rolling Mechanics Toolbox and just wish that you had one. Like the, yeah. the whatever the what oh, yeah. the one that's like two thousand dollars or whatever yeah. I don't know what the exact price. I is. I always think to myself, hmm. uh, and then I th- this is exactly what my mind <laughs> goes. So I go, I want that. Uh, yeah, uh, I it want would just that. be so nice. Uh, you know what always then, keeps me from buying it is the thinking about having to put it on my truck and taking it off my truck and oh, setting it up. Well, you need that go, table lift. Nah. Then like the cloud, Then the cloud just pops off of my head. I'm like, I have to actually move all that. Forget it. You drive your forklift. Yeah, like to I'm looking freight. on the <laughs> website right now. There's a 72 inch wide by 25 inch deep uh, roller cabinet. It's almost four thousand dollars. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean that's yeah, and of course you got to get the topper that goes on top of that, which is another twenty one hundred dollars, and then you got to get the thing, the tall one that goes next to it, and that's like seven hundred dollars. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I keep writing them. Yeah. Anyway, um. By the way, I got my quote for my water jet yesterday. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Regular civilian quote without my uh, celebrity status. <laughs> Ready? Yeah. Brandon, put a drum roll in right here. $200,000. Mm. <laughs> mm. So, so any can water you jet companies use the water sponsor? jet? <laughs> can you use company? the water jet to make another building on your property? Because that would be worthwhile is if you could spend no. the money on the water I'm gonna jet. I'm going to take no, the water jet right. and make big giant keychains key chains out of plywood. Key, That's yeah. <laughs> keychains. Key no, I don't know. We're, we're going to go back and forth a little bit, and there's going to potentially be a channel sponsorship included in there. And I don't know. It's I, Again, I don't want to say the name of the company. There's only a few big companies to choose from. It's one of the big ones. And they... Uh, they've been great. The salesman came out here. They looked at my situation and everything, but I don't think I could pull that off. Not yet. Not yeah. until uh, I buy six more pieces of property and finish three more buildings, and then I could potentially do that. <laughs> no. No, so... You uh, could... You know, here's an idea. Yeah. Here's an idea. Um, you sell your bandsaw collection to mm-hmm. get down to, like, three bandsaws, like a normal excessive human true. and then true. take that money and true put it excessive human true put it towards a quarter of the water jet or whatever yeah I don't know what speak you on get out of those speak on no 
I have a I have a bandsaw collection video coming up. I Rob Rojas has been assisting me in my shop. He's a local guy and he's on Instagram and YouTube. And Rob basically restored this latest bandsaw I got. He did all the dirty work and basically did everything. I'm going to come in and do a couple things and look like the hero. But Rob did all the hard work. So <laughs> I'm going to take that that video and interstitialize it between my bandsaw collection. So it'll be the it'll be a restoration video interdispersed with me talking about various bandsaws that I have in my collection. So I'm gonna that's gonna be an upcoming video. And then I'll sell that video and have fifteen dollars to go put towards my water jet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh let's see. What have I been up to? I've been trying to continue to aluminum weld mm. and it's interesting after we talked about it like starting out with no experience whatsoever nobody here to hands-on like give me some you know tips and tricks i expected it to be terrible and it was and that's fine and doing more of it i expected it to slowly improve and me to start to get the feel and the understanding of the things but it kind of seems like it's going in the wrong direction and i'm not really sure why the the I, I think now I'm beginning to understand what needs to happen, but I don't know how to actually do it. And by that, I mean, like, controlling the amount of heat in certain areas. Like, I, I'm beginning to see how you can overheat an area, and then it makes, like, this whole rigid section, not just like a dot, this whole rigid section just turns into mush, like, all of a sudden. So I see what I see it happening, but I don't really know the like the physical steps to control it yet. And I guess that's just a long-term practice. Do it until you accidentally do it right and then start, you know, using that as your example or something. I I don't know. But it's kind of weird, like, that initial, like, well, yeah, of course this is going to be terrible. I'm learning it. I'm just just barely figuring it out. I expect it to be a slow ramp up in things doing better, but it's actually kind of gone the other way. And so I'm ready to... It's so true. When you start (laughs) trying to learn how to weld aluminum, you think you got it. And then all of a sudden, you're like, okay, let me get my finished parts. And then you just puddle them, and you're like... Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's oh. weird. This thing, I'm, the the feet on R2-D2 are this... Um, they're, it's a bunch of flat panels. It was a flat pack piece that was cut, and they, they slot together. And then I really just need to tack them so that I can come back with Bondo and fill in all of the seams and sharpen those up with sanding and stuff like that. But it needs to be sharp. It's this angular piece... Or it's a bunch of angular pieces pieces with weird angles that need to be sharp and exposed on the outside. It looks like, I a, keep like a ziggurat. Am I, am, I, am I correct in my definition? It looks like a ziggurat. Is that what that temple's called? Like a temple. Mm, Does you remember from art history? I don't know. It's like a temple yeah, with the I, top. It's like a temple with the top cut off, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's like a a pyramid with the top yeah. cut off. It, yes. Um, so it's kind of like that, and all of the faces and all of the edges need to be really, really sharp. But I keep just like not completely melting them away, but softening them so much and like warping them because I'm putting too much heat in trying to get attack. And I'm like, I just need to heat it up enough. And then the whole thing just kind of goes, is this really strange? Is this, I know you're, you, you want to do it with the machine and to learn that way. But is this one of those times where you just take a torch and you, you hand do it with the, with the aluminum welding stick or whatever that's called? Yeah, uh, brazing. I have brazing, started yeah. doing that. So I found that there were some small things. I, I could 
I could tack some pieces together on the inside and it worked well enough. And then there were some small trim pieces that need to go on the outside. And I knew that there was no way that I would be able to, like, I would just melt them in half. And so I used a torch and you even have to be careful with a map gas torch because they can still just, once it hits the critical temperature point, the whole structure of the piece just kind of, it just falls apart and it just gets all wobbly and changes, you know, shape and everything. So you still have to even be careful with the torch, but that was a lot easier to localize heat and then brazen just a little bit in the seams to kind of hold the pieces together. So I'm hoping that I've done enough brazing on the parts that I've brazed so that they stay and they don't end up kind of breaking off, you know, over time. One of the reasons I did aluminum for the feet at all is because when this thing is, when R2-D2 is rolling around, the feet are what run into things. They're what run into door frames and walls mm-hmm. and people and whatever. So you don't want them so, to break. Yeah, I didn't want them to do a amount of plastic because I didn't want them to shatter and have to rebuild them. Um, and so my concern of brazing pieces is that that same amount of impact running into a door frame will just chip off the, the small amount of brazing material and then I'll end up with not broken pieces, but pieces I'll have to re do so i don't know it's it's kind of a weird in between go ahead what's going to be the overall weight of r2d2 when it's done a billion pounds yeah roughly i I believe it Uh, i i I don't know but it's a lot i mean this like the part that's behind me here which is just the body and the legs not even the top not the leg uh not the feet not the motors that that is a a feat for me to physically lift up and put on the ground like you know it's not impossible. It's probably probably a hundred, probably a hundred pounds. You know, mm-hmm. it's also just an awkward thing to lift because there's not a there's no like handle for it, and the internal structure is all plastic glued together, so you can't reach on the inside and just grab a panel and lift it up. It's just, the whole thing's gonna break apart. So it's you should Bob, you should you should get two like garden gate fence handles and just screw them right to the side of him so you can pick them up like two garbage cans. Like two garbage <laughs> can hands. Yeah. That's a good idea. That would create a lot of comments. That'd be good. Uh, it would, yeah. Um, so I've, I've, been, <laughs> I've been working on, on that, uh, the welding stuff and a bunch of other kind of projects. I The other day I, I um, was looking at our schedule I try to have like a month or two worth of project videos just in the, uh, I, I usually try to have a lot done, but I at least try to have the idea so I can start getting materials and, you know, starting to think about little design ideas and whatever. And it dawned on me the other day that this whole uh, COVID world has made us, it has messed up our production line so much that the other day I was like, I have a video for next week and that's it. Like, yeah. like nothing else, nothing on the horizon. Bob, if it I makes you li- feel any better, ideas. I, I only have the video for Sunday two days before I have it for Sunday. I have like three <laughs> videos that yeah. are like long shots, <laughs> but that's it. Like a pot, like a, like a vlog. You know, I always just collect bits and pieces of stuff for a vlog. If like me working on the Cadillac, it's not enough to make a video. So I just store yeah. it for the vlog. One of these coming weeks, I'll put that, I'll put that together. I usually have, I'm waiting, the vlogs usually wait for a sponsor or, or like an announcement from a close friend or somebody that I'm working with, like, Hey, can you announce? And then uh, that's when I start formulating a vlog. And other than that, like my, this today is Wednesday. Cause we moved the, the shooting to we're shooting it today on Wednesday, tomorrow, today's Friday in air quotes, tomorrow is Saturday. 
Today and tomorrow, Friday and Saturday, I'll be making a digital chicken coop for a video. Digital chicken coop. Which is right now all I it's I have I thought of the idea yesterday morning because my chickens are getting bigger. I gotta get them out of the bin, but they're not big enough to put into the regular population. So I need an in-between chicken coop. So I'm gonna do a digital CNC chicken coop. Have some ideas on how to hmm. CNC up a chicken coop that's like a in-between collapsible chicken coop, which is some real practical just package design. But I thought of that yesterday morning, which Tuesday morning, and I came in and I said to Aaron, I was like, I know what we're doing this weekend. I know what I'm going to make. And I've been formulating it in my mind, and I'll make it in the next couple of days and probably edit the video, finalize it on Saturday for publication on Sunday. But the, poison, the, the, the point I'm making is, is when you see a published video, that video is finished like a couple hours before. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a hopper with like 10 things waiting to go. I have, like, for instance, the bandsaw video where I've been collecting footage for that, but I don't, yeah. you know, it's not in any way, shape, or form ready to publish. It's just three hours of raw files. That's it. Yeah. So don't feel bad. Well, I, I'm, I'm worse. No, than I, don't, I don't feel bad. It, it, <laughs> I mean, don't feel where, where I was going with it was that it's been, it was, a, it was a strange thing to realize, like, oh, like we've been ahead for a really long time, and all of yeah. a sudden now it's just caught up with us, and we're not. And um, so I. I usually have a bunch of ideas stacked up so I can just immediately go on to the next one, but I realized that I didn't have anything else listed. Like, there was no preference as to what was next, and that was a little weird. And so I took an afternoon and just started thinking about, like, stuff that was out of my normal... You know, I like, I don't know. We we just made a bed. The bed video is going to go out in a couple of days, or tomorrow, hopefully. And it has... Like, well, it needs storage, so that's going to be a video. And then this other thing I did needs this, so that's going to be a video. So I had all these kind of, like, ideas or things to do that were downstream from something. And so basically the other day I took the afternoon and I was like, I don't want any downstream ideas, anything that's derivative of anything else. I just want like want to look around here and think of things that I don't have, things that I'm interested in doing that I just, that are, like, by themselves, you know? It's like just an idea by Stand itself. Alone. Yeah, and it was really cool to go into brainstorming with a, a weird, like, constraint like that or, like, a, you know, a focus. And I immediately got, like, 10 ideas. Just think, oh, I could, oh, and this, and then that that could cause this. And if I do them in this order, then the first one will help the second one because I'll be prepared for it, you know. And it, it turned out that I came up with, I don't know, four or five really good things that I, I will enjoy making and now I'm chomping at the bit to make them all but I have to put them on the schedule and like stretch them out with everything else um, I don't know it was it was an interesting you know kind of change of pace for how how I come up with and schedule my, my ideas the other day so I, earlier in the podcast I said you know my motivation isn't there and my motivation to work and do stuff is there it's I have a list of I don't know what's on the list, a hundred things, maybe more uh, of things that I want to make. But when I look at the, at that list, they feel like they're 2019 Pachuto and not 2020. Because at the beginning of mm. the year, I set out, I'm like, this is going to be my year. I'm going to change it up. I'm going to do some crazy things. I'm going to get more into the art. I'm going to do, you know, not the typical step-by-step how-to woodworking. And, um, and I, I haven't come, I don't, and and those ideas just feel old now. 
And so I'm like, I don't want to do those. But these are things that I need around the office or the house, and it would be awesome. And, and I need to figure out how to turn those into something awesome that I want it to be my idea. I don't want to outsource that idea. I don't like, I don't want, I'm not, I don't want to accept ideas from other people for these things I want in my house. I want, it's, yeah, this is a very selfish thing, but I want it to be my idea and my execution, execution, but it's also, it's got to scratch that itch that I have to be something completely different and also make an entertaining video. Yeah, it's funny. I, I had the same feeling when I look at my, my notebook and I start flipping through some of my idea lists. And it's, do you ever have that same feeling when you're like looking through your t-shirt drawer and there's like 50 t-shirts in front of you and there's not one of them that you're interested in putting on because you know how like each one's got <laughs> like, it. an, it's like, it's got an annoying graphic. I don't, I'm not friends with him anymore. That's itchy. It's got a big glue stain on it. And you think to yourself, and it's uh, ideas are the same way. I open my notebook and I just go, eh, eh. And every one of them could be a good mm-hmm. idea if I just saw it differently on a different day. And and that's, that's the thing, you know, like, you know, some days you know, like, you're like, oh, I feel confident to wear this L shirt, not an XL. I feel confident today. I could wear an L today. And then you look at that idea and you're like, I feel confident making that today. I'm feeling pretty good at my table saw technique. Or they, they come and go and your, your interest level in various ideas usually wanes. I think like for me, one of the things about that made these ideas a little bit more now um, was that, well, I don't even know how to say it. Like, when I think about doing a a video, doing a project for a video, in the context of the videos that we make, everybody does different scale of stuff. <clears throat> Just thinking about myself, when I think about what's going to make a project good enough, or a complex enough, or simple enough, or focused enough, or general enough, or whatever the thing is to make it into a video, I have this really narrow band of things that fit into that. There's a bunch of stuff around my house that I could do that I just look at and I'm like, yeah, but that wouldn't make an interesting video. Or that's like, that would take two and a half months of like hard work to do. And I can't make a video because that would just eat up, you know, the the time to reward ratio is just not there. Mm -hmm. And so there's a bunch of things that can't fit in to this kind of narrow band of things that work for a video in my mind. And I think part of what was interesting the other day was me taking that band and getting rid of it for just a few minutes and just thinking like, what are things that just need to be done? And how can I take a thing that needs to be done and make it interesting? Or to me, maybe it's, maybe it still doesn't fit within those criteria that I've set forth for myself, but how can I take something that, uh, that isn't enough and make it enough you know what I mean? And and that became the project. How do I take a model station or a little station for model making and stuff that in itself is not really, it's it's a variation on something I've already done before. How do I make that a thing by itself? And how do I make it different enough that everybody in the comments doesn't go, oh, now you're Adam Savage because you made a model making car? Because that's <laughs> like the response that I'm going to get. So it was interesting to take, you know, something that wasn't enough and try to make it enough through exploring what that thing could be just brainstorming. And I think that's a a lot of times I find myself not giving enough potential brainstorming to an idea. I'll just be like, well, no, it's not enough. It's not interesting enough. It's not big enough. It's too big. It's too small. It's too, and I just kind of like throw them away and try to get to the next thing that I know will work. 
And so it, it's been an interesting few days of uh, brainstorming. Uh, yeah, well, that that's similar to what I had with my my push stick video I just did a couple days ago, where I made uh, just push sticks with like finger holes. I did a lot of work on the, the trailers, and I realized I kept putting the push sticks down, picking material up, and then grabbing the push sticks, and it kept slowing me down. And I also would like put them down and immediately not know where I put them down because I might have turned one eighty and put them on a side table. <clears throat> and so that's why I made it with a finger loop to hold it. But the comments, some of the guys are like, "Oh my god, you're gonna rip all your fingers off! This is crazy." The comments are really funny, but it's not a finished product. I'm not selling it that way, but I did think the video would be too simple if I just went straight ahead and made it. And that's why I included the video, all the thought process that went into it before that. And it, and I actually did do some more brainstorming before I even filmed. So I have a couple of versions of it before I even started filming it. And I just, it took a, a simple video that would be two minutes long and opened it up for people to see behind the curtain and the thought process. And so in that, if you guys haven't seen that video in that video, I, I talk about a couple of iterations of it. I do it first by hand. Then I digitize it. I cut it by CNC. And then I do a couple of variations on that version of the CNC. And then I could even still do more variations on it. And the video ends with me basically saying, I need to use this version a lot more before I decide if this is good or not. And I actually used it quite a bit yesterday, the push sticks and I never ever put my fingers through the holes. And there was one time when I naturally like kind of slipped my finger through the hole to grab it with a piece of wood, which was the intention. So I might actually design them even further and get rid of all but one of the finger holes so that it's just something you can hold on to if you need it. But mm -hmm. I find myself with the heel of my hand pushing on the back foot. If you guys know what I'm talking about, I made like a triangulated back foot so it could sit upright on the table. And the fact that they sit up triangulated so they're always facing you works amazing. I'm always like naturally reaching for them. That's the idea is just to try and have that natural physical workflow without having to overthink it. And it's for that reason, it's, it's a success. The finger holes, some people have some valid points. I might get rid of all but one of them. So, but the idea is taking something that's simple and, and opening it up, show people more of what you, what you're doing behind the scenes before you actually make the video makes it could potentially open it up to a, a more f fulfilling experience for you and the viewer. Hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, we were going to talk about chairs. Yeah. You guys want to talk about chairs? So tell us a little bit more, David, about what you did with this one and kind of the things you didn't tell us earlier about it. So you mentioned earlier that you've, I forget what word you used, intimidated by making a chair or Terrified. Scared. Terrified. I said terrified. And I, I have always been as well. And it goes back to 10th grade. My shop teacher, when, when he's, he, he told the class, like, you need to come up with your project for this year. It can't be a chair. Chairs are too difficult. So ever since 1991, I've been thinking chairs are difficult. So um, Rockler approached me and they said that we have this drill guide come up with a project for it. And so just brainstorming, I'm like, oh, what if I make a chair out of dolls? And I could use this and you don't need a drill press or whatever. So it was the the having parameters and limitations is what this chair came out of. So we made the whole chair with a jigsaw, a router, and a hand drill. And I, I have a couple books. I have this how to design a chair book. And then I have two of these like 
collections of thousands of, of chairs and I'm just I'm just going through them and I'm, I'm looking at the history of chairs and the purpose and and uh, I'm sketch and I sketched a whole bunch of ideas and then I just stopped and I'm like this has to be a version one this iteration one you have to get into your head I never build a second version of a, a thing unless it's for like a craft show or whatever I always build that one thing and then I move on and then I'm like I have to go into this project with a completely different mindset this project is going to fail this is not going to be a good chair and you have to think about that as you're as you're building it so I simplified the design as much as I could and it's basically an H with a, a, a few more angles if you look at it from the side. And I got rid of all the crazy ideas and it's all made up with dowels. And I just took our existing kitchen chair. It's a, so it's like a dining chair. So it's not supposed to be like super comfortable and loungy. It's, it's serves its one purpose. And I, I took the dimensions off of that. So it's 18 inches high and the depth is 16 inches. And I just made what looked like a pleasing curve and executed it. And it turns out it was actually fairly comfortable to sit in. I could make a couple little tweaks, but I think I've never gone into a, into a project with the mindset of this is going to fail and you have to accept that. And this is going to be the video of me failing. And it turned out perfectly fine. So, um, you have to just remove that fear and just dive in and go into, go into the project with a different mindset. Well, I, I always tell everybody when I work when I work with students more specifically, but I even tell a lot of guys that I meet here and there that are getting into what we all do. If you keep everything as an experiment, you'll eventually decide. It's not necessarily I'm going to make a chair. I'm going to experiment with making a chair, and then I'll decide when I'm done. As opposed to being like I'm going to make the chair, and then that's intimidating. That immediately puts you on like, oh, I don't know. What if I fail? What if it doesn't work out? What if it breaks? If you go into it as an experiment and research and development, then you decide when it's right. Because as you go into it, it's more of a it's a, it's a research experiment. It's not I'm gonna I'm gonna get up to bat and I'm gonna hit a grand slam. How do you know that's gonna happen? I'm gonna get up to bat and I'm gonna develop my technique. I'm gonna develop my swing, and then I'll decide when when I'm good. One of the um, so there's a lot of dolls in there. There's like sixty dollars worth, maybe fifty dollars worth of dolls, and so. The thought was, when I push this together, I'm not going to glue it because I don't want to ruin $50 worth of dowels if it doesn't completely work. And then it did work, and then we decided to glue them in. And so one of the fears is sometimes it, there's a lot of material cost into experimenting, and I know that's a barrier for some, and that's it's a valid barrier to dive into something. Maybe we could have... I don't know what a... What a would have been a cheaper solution other than dowels because dowels are fairly cheap to begin with. But, um, yeah. You know what I, mean, I noticed about dowels? And, and let me know, when I was a kid, dowels were always, I always enjoyed working with dowels because it was always such high quality wood. It might have been basswood or it might have been like maple or something. I just remember dowels always had a perfectly straight grain and I always loved the smell of the, the dowel. <laughs> when, when I put on a lathe, I'm talking when I was a kid working on my Dremel lathe, but now you get a dowel and it's like paper thin. If it says have a half inch diameter, it's always shrunken because the thing was cut out of a live weed before it was turned into a dowel. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
where in the world can you get high quality dowels anymore? Like if you buy dowels at Home Depot, they're paper light. They're probably mm-hmm. made. I don't know. I always joke and say they're made out of banana trees because they're never straight and they're porous. You can literally like, you could like put your fingers close together and just snap it and the grain will break like a pencil right where your fingers are. Mm-hmm. Even with like a, a three quarter inch dowel, it's just the most under quality dowel. So I, especially when you're going to do dowels that are going to be, you know, featured, how, how, where did you find them? And, and what did you, what was your search like? So you are 100% correct. Do not get a dowel from the home center. They are always no. undersized. And that has been my experience ever since I got into woodworking. Normally I get dowels from Kencraft. It's a hardwood dealer. They have high, higher quality dowels and they have cherry and walnut and maple and birch and, and some other things. For this particular project, since it's a Rockler-sponsored video, the, the dowels actually came from Rockler. And it turns out the three-quarter dowels were actually three-quarter. Oh, so, cool. Um, yeah, I would my, my advice is just go to a hardwood dealer, a place that actually yeah. is made for you know, building things. Because yeah. the Home Depot dowels, just, they're undersized. They're hmm. horrible. I get. I, I always buy them just to like in a pinch because I, I use them for various product development. They always end up being paint stars. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, um, so this version uses plywood sides, and I thought maybe version two would use solid wood. And then when we were done, Dan was looking at it. And he's like, "This would be really expensive, but what if that chair was made out of?" brass instead of dowels and like a walnut side i'm like oh my goodness each chair would cost 400 dollars, but that would be super cool and then that turned into a brainstorming session of well we could we could do stainless steel we could do tubing it doesn't have to be a solid um object and we could do this wood so uh i'm this hopefully is a project even though this one might be done Hopefully it is a project that turns into something else. Maybe I could use this idea to make a lounge. And that lounge could use all those crazy ideas of stainless steel tubing or, or, or whatever, you know? My stools yeah. that I made for myself, that set of four stools that I did in a video about a month and a half ago, I just made four more for for two separate people. So I made two for one client and two for another client. And it was fun making them again. I mean, there's a lot of work in them. This They're not easy. And I charged a lot of money. I basically charged the like, I know this seems like a lot of money, but this is a tremendous amount of work and both clients were okay with it. So that's it. Oh, they still want them. Really? Okay. Okay. I'm not charging enough. (laughs) No. So I I, I mean, that's a, that's the price for uh, each one. Yeah. 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 No. Well, it's uh, it is a lot of work and it's grueling. I mean, you guys know when you do something, you do something on a whim. and you, somebody's like, could you make that again? And you're like, yeah, yeah. The excitement has passed, but I guess I'll do it again. No, but now, but because of those people that asked me to make those those over, I'm now thinking of taking that concept and making more of them. I'm, I think I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I'm working with a couple of people trying to figure out ways of, of digitally processing them, either on the... Uh, you know, CNC lathes or whatever, just trying to figure out a way to make them a kit. Mm-hmm. I could sell them in pieces considerably cheaper so I don't have to do the finishing and let somebody at home put them together. I mean, if I finalize this 
design to something I absolutely love. This is the perfect CNC project. You, it'll make more sense when you when you see it. But to cut this out on a CNC, you could do a ton at a time. Like this project screams mm. CNC. Yeah. Did you hand cut those well, sides and hand drill them? Yeah, I took a. So what I did was I took a jigsaw and I cut out the one side out of plywood, and then I sanded it down to the perfect shape, and then I used that side as oh, a right template to use a router to make the the other side. Perfect. And so the thought process there was, I could just this is always going to be a prototype chair, and I don't glue anything together, and I could take that one side, and that could be a template for future projects or for future chairs. But we decided to glue it together, and if I do make future ones, it, I will probably use the CNC. Yeah. Well, I think that what you guys are talking about as far as like them being experiments intentionally up front is a good way to look at it. I hadn't really thought about that, because making a chair for me, I, I have made one chair... I think. And it was like a metal kind of lounge chair, like outdoor lounge chair. And it worked pretty well for me, not having any idea, not doing a whole lot of research on angles or, you know, heights or any of that stuff. Um, it was just kind of, it was an experiment, but it, I was going for a finished thing. But I really like the idea of going into something with the expectation that it's, it's a step. It's not, it's not the finished thing. The problem with that, uh, or not the problem with that, I, the thing I've never thought about that was in the context of a video is, you know, I've talked about before how people think that when you publish anything, there's a, an assumed authority in it. And I think a lot of times people, when when they see videos on YouTube, they assume that the people making the video are trying to be authoritative about this is how you make a bunk bed. This is how you make a blah, 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 rather than this is how I made it. This is what I ended up with. And I just wanted to show you, which is, I think, is how most people actually create the videos. But I'd never really thought about having to or making a special effort to explain that in the video. Like, this is just an experiment. I'm going to see how it turns out. It, it's a step towards another thing, because that does definitely set up the, a different expectation for what somebody gets out of the video and people love to watch experiments. They love to watch people figure things out. Um, but I hadn't really considered that in trying to make a chair and 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 setting it up that way. It's always like, well, I'm probably going to get it wrong, so I'm just going to avoid making chairs. Or chairs just take so long to get right that putting it in a video is just going to be too time-consuming or whatever. I've been wanting for a long time to make a little uh, kind of outdoor table and two chairs to put on our front porch you know something really nice and classy looking but that's outdoor and i've never really gone past the idea like from what i just said because it's like yeah but then i have to make two chairs like i don't even <laughs> want to make one chair <laughs> but you made bob but you that's made a, a chair with the side frame with the wooden planks you did that i remember that was a nice chair design that you did a wooden chair? No, steel sides with a wooden wooden seat, didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one the one that I've done, and it it worked great. Um, yeah, but that's the only one. <laughs> I actually started to make a duplicate for that chair, and then realized that I was after having done one, I had no motivation to finish the second one. It was just like, I don't know, I just because I couldn't make a video out of it because I had already done one. And I just didn't have the motivation to try to replicate something 
so that you could set two of them next to each other and they would look the same. Just didn't have it, but David, were you gonna say something? I was just gonna say the chair is such an interesting project project because there are so many books on chairs and so many collection like photo collections of, of chairs because it's like the, it's like the it's a thing that everybody needs it's an infinite amount of things that you can do and designers just gravitate like graphic designers or interior designers designers in general creative people in general seem to be drawn towards chairs and it's it's one of those things like i i if you approach it, what's the simplest form of a chair that you can make? And if you start from there, get rid of all the extras. And if it like, there, there's so many challenges in there. And I was trying to do too much at once, trying to make this cool looking thing. And I just eliminated all of that. And it still turned out really cool. Like what's the simplest chair I can make that's still comfortable. And now I can, I can go from there, but it's just, I think it's a project that I'd like to see a lot more people tackle because there's, you can get so creative with it and your, yeah, I make chair challenge your, yeah, sorry. your interpretation, sorry, <laughs> your interpretation of a chair could be different than somebody else's. And all it has to do is hold some, somebody's bottom, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's and, funny. Like, good. And, 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 you know what? A chair doesn't even have to be functional if you don't want it to be. It could just be a piece of art. It's one of those things that can mm. be anything that you want it to be. I think like my my personality is so utilitarian. I'm always a function over form person. And so like when I think of what you just said about breaking it down to its simplest possible, you know, to make a chair in the most basic way, I'm like yeah, that's been done a thousand times. And if I were to do that in its most basic form, like what you're saying is deconstruct it and then start to build up from that basic form into something that's unique and designed and whatever. My, my tendency would be to just break it down and stop. <laughs> and so like <laughs> yeah. the simplest possible thing is the end of it. And that's a stretching exercise that I need to do to break something down like that and then spend the time to build it up in add design on top of that to make it unique. But that's definitely counter to my, you know, my tendency is just mm -hmm. to go as simple as possible from a utilitarian standpoint. But chairs are crazy. I, I always know. look for that opportunity to add a little sexiness to it. Whatever that might be. I don't know. It's, it's hard to mm -hmm. define. It's usually just a personal notion. You do that one mm -hmm. thing, and you're like, oh, yeah. Like that. Whether it's like a hand <laughs> loop or whatever it might be. Yeah. Subtle. Well, now I'm going to be thinking about chairs and how to, how to do a chair. So thanks for that. <laughs> Great. Uh, mm -hmm. You guys got anything else you want to talk about on chairs? We're running kind of long, an hour in. I mean, if anything, just if you're going to tackle your own chair, I'm going to do a Sam Maloof chair going into September. I oh, committed so to cool. doing a video. But I would I would just go into it with an experimental attitude and don't think because you have a really nice SketchUp model that you're going to hit it out of the park. I mean, you definitely need some, you need some preliminary. You need some hot glue, some scrap wood to really start to decide how and what and then go into a finish. I think one of the things that that's an interesting thing because you could design something that looks really nice, but a chair takes a lot of force in a lot of different directions. 
And not only does it have to like bear the load of the person in it, you know, as you get in it and out of it, as you lean the thing around, if you lean up on the back two legs, like a lot of people do in chairs, like you have to kind of think through those things. It's not just how it looks and not just if it is what somebody would recognize as a chair. It's got some, some physics it has to handle as well. So. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I actually have something to recommend this week. I'm pretty, pretty happy with myself. Uh, but <laughs> I'm, I'm going through my history right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters while you figure that out. Big thanks to everybody that helps us out at patreon.com slash making it. We are grateful uh, for everybody over there at all the different levels. Everybody gets the after show, which is another, you know, 15, 20 minutes of us talking about secret stuff. I think Jimmy has an update, maybe. He's going to tell us about the secret thing that he's been talking about. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. Uh, We'll see. Um, I've been put on a gag order. (laughs) Really? Not exactly. Uh, I'm just joking. Okay. Well. We'll, we'll we'll have some stuff to talk about. Yeah, yeah. It's a separate feed. It's a separate little podcast that's uh, only through Patreon. So if you want to help us out, we would certainly appreciate it. Go to patreon.com slash making it. Our top supporters over there are Albers Woodworks, Corey Ward, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, You Can Make This Too, Maker in Training, Fun Kiss, Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, Rich at Low End Design, and Odin Leather Goods. But there's a big list of other people, and we are grateful for all of them. In the after show, I'm going to yes. talk about Dan's genius on turning my descender that wasn't working into a pole start descender. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Okay. Dan's the best. He is the best. Interesting. Cool. All right. Well, what do you have to, to recommend? Um. Hello? Hello. Guys broke up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Are you there? Oh, hi. <laughs> you ready to record? <laughs> um, oh, I've, God, I've gone so through my, my history, and here's a. Um, this video has almost 4 million views. I think it's been making the rounds, but it's called An Old Man's Advice It's on, on YouTube. And um, it, obviously, it's an older gentleman, and he's he talks about his experience. Um, you know, he. In the 50s, he was, like, living out of his car, and he was stealing apples from the local grocery store, and, and you know, it's like, you have to make opportunities for yourself. And I think it's a great motivating video. Um, I watched it, and I, I, got, I got all the feels. Um, I um, And it's just about making opportunity for yourself. And I understand that uh, he doesn't talk about it, but I do understand that for some people, where you are or who you are, creating opportunity for yourself might be harder than it is for others. And I just want to say, I understand that before you watch this video and, and comment. But, and it was a, it was a, it was a really nice touching, motivating video. And it's just this guy sitting in front of his computer talking about his experiences. Mm-hmm. Cool. <clears throat> is it my turn? <clears throat> sorry. Um, he, yes, it's your turn. I'm sorry. I'm coughing. Like sounds like I'm faking it, but I really am coughing. It sounds like I'm doing it on purpose. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, Young Makers. It's a, a family from Massachusetts, and I met them at Maker oh, yeah. Fair. We've met them a few times. They're great. And uh, Colby and uh, Brody, the brothers, uh, two young guys, they're really killing it. And he's getting better and better and better at CNC every single time. When I met them, I don't even think they had a CNC, and now the kid is doing moves. Uh, the, the, they're doing really well. But go follow them. Give them some support. They're really community-minded. 
and they have a small channel. His last video was put up 14 hours ago. It's got eight views. So mm. go, go send them some love and give them some support. These, if I only, I, I see where they're at, these two young boys, and I think to myself, God, if I started where they're starting, I would actually really be a 16 billionaire, not just a fake one on <laughs> Google search me. If you Google search me, it says the rest is wealth, $16 billion. Which isn't, 16 isn't, billion dollars? I mean, it's just a small percentage of that. It's not 16 mm-hmm. billion. Mm-hmm. But you mean 16 billion is a small percentage of your actual income? That's no, 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 no. My real income is just, you know, it's like half that. It's not, that's really just. <laughs> oh, I, I, <laughs> it's, not, it's nothing. How silly. Yeah. Uh. No, but these guys are off to such a good start. It's going to be amazing to see where they go by the time they, they become young men. So go check those guys out. Young yeah, big shout out to their parents, too. Because family like, family I, effort. Big family effort. The, yeah, they work together, the four of them, and their parents take them to events and invest in them. Like, we've mm. met them at Every I don't event. Know, some Maker Fair. I don't know if it was New York or California. I don't remember. But we've seen them at multiple Maker Fairs. Maker we saw Camp. them at Workbench Con. Like, their, their parents invest in them. They're all super cool. Yeah. yeah. That's that's awesome. And it's spelled J-U-N-G. J-U-N-G-E Makers. Young Makers. That's their family name. Sweet. Um, so mine is a little tool. It's an online tool that I ran across the other day. I was working on something on the laser. And I've thought several times about like, oh, it'd be cool if I lasered on a ruler onto this thing. And then I think about the process of going into Illustrator or something and making my own ruler. And I'm like, well, it's probably like just knowing me, it's not going to be quite precise enough or like I'm going to end up doing it wrong and the line widths are going to add up to some crazy something, something, you know, just like I did just never done it. So I Googled to see if I could find a vector ruler generator and I found a project called the vector ruler generator, which is pretty cool. This is on GitHub. And it's all browser-based. You go in and you put in the the start uh, value, the width of your ruler, how tall you want the piece to be. You can put in the subdivisions, whether it's uh, in inches or centimeters, fraction, decimal. You can do all the stuff and you set it up and you see it right below as you're putting these things in. And then you just download it as an SVG file. And it like makes a ruler for you that then you can go in in Illustrator and edit the the font, you know, of the numbers that are on there and everything. It's a simple thing, but it's a really cool little tool to give you a vector file of a ruler that you can drop onto another thing if you're already working on. That's amazing. So I'm going to be working this. I'm going to be working this into an ex- or a project that I'm thinking through right now. I was going to make a keychain cool ruler. Little... I was going to make a, a keychain. I was going to yeah. make a keychain uh, yardstick. That's what I was going to. For real, I was going to make a yardstick. That's well, a good thing to know. What, yeah. What's this called? Um, it's called Vector Ruler Generator. I'll, I'll put a link to it. But it, it's one of the. There's a lot of tools like this. Like, and we've talked about before the the box generator, uh, which Maker Case, I think, is what it was. It's a free, you know, vector based tool that you put in the settings or whatever, and it outputs an SVG file, which is a vector file. There's a bunch of these out there, and I think it's super cool that these are. That somebody spent the time to make the tool, but also that it's available for free and that you can just go in and use it. And like looking at this one, there's no way to 
donate to this guy. It doesn't even have his name on it. There's no anything. I just think it's super cool that people make a tool for a thing they need, and then they're just like, "Hey, everybody, you just yeah, use use the tool." So it was handy to me, and I'm sure other people will find it useful. So that's what definitely. I definitely very cool. I'm excited to try that. Um, you guys got anything else? Uh, uh, no. Uh, uh. Okay. Cool. Well. Uh, let's go do the after show. Thanks for right. listening, everybody. Thank you, Thank everybody. You. Love you. We'll uh, see you next time. Okay. Okay. <laughs>